I'm hoping these masterclasses will inspire people to go on a journey of constant reinvention. That's always been true, but wow, I feel it's going to be more true in the next five years than ever before. And that would be a great outcome because there's a lot of us in recruitment who plateau very quickly. And we actually, you know, it's part of the ethos of the industry that we celebrate high performers. We put their names up on the board in lights and we reward them and that's all good. But it can sometimes lead to a, I don't know, hubris might be too strong a word, but it can lead to a complacency might be a, might be a better word. And I think that, a big danger to career longevity. So I'm hoping to tackle that in the masterclasses as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. It's a pleasure to have you along with us. As the the days stay warm, we're getting towards the summer break. We're going to be talking about something exciting that we're doing in September on today's podcast. But just to give you a run up, do keep your eyes out for the June REC data, which will be coming out in the first few days of July, the latest billings data. We've had some rumours from members that market and temp may be a little bit warmer in June than it was in May. We'll be looking at the data to see how far that is borne out across the market, but do keep an eye out for that. Other big dates in, in July, do check out the content from our conference on the 6th of July. If you don't manage to join us on the on the day, it's available online for for you as you registered and we'll be preparing some takeaways for over the summer and keep an eye out for our new report on technology also coming out during July. In terms of dates for your diary, 21st of July is the entry deadline for the 2023 REC Awards. Do make an, uh, make an effort to take a look at that and see what you might want to do to celebrate the success of your team over the past year. Also, if you have a look at the, at the events page, you'll see the regular round of, uh, the regular round of regional and national events. I had a great time talking to members in both Newcastle and Leeds just recently. We're in Birmingham in July and then we kick off right at the beginning of September after the August break with an event in Scotland, which will be a great chance to bring everyone together north of the border. But the other thing we're doing in September is the the roadshow with Greg Savage, Recruit the Savage Way. Do take a look. It's bookable now on the REC website. And there's only one man to talk about the roadshow with. So, Greg, welcome back to the REC podcast. Thank you, Neil, and very nice to hear your dulcet tones again. We're looking forward to welcoming you, welcoming, welcoming you to the Northern Autumn when you when you come up in the to to do the the road show. This is a new thing, though, and it's not. People will have maybe come to an REC Savage event before. We were talking about running running recruitment businesses. We had a great session just last year in in London. But this second book, give us an overview of what it covers and who's it for, because it's slightly different to the first book. Yes, it is. The first book was somewhat autobiographical. It was a story about, in many ways, it paralleled the evolution of the recruitment industry over the last 40 years. And it was about building businesses and managing businesses. This book is really everything I know about being a great agency recruiter. That's the simplest way to describe it. It's not anecdotes so much. It's not the story of building a business necessarily. It's the nitty gritty of how to succeed in agency recruitment. And it it covers, and we can go into a bit more detail if you wish, but it covers Six main sections, and the first is the attitudes and mindsets you need. The second is the behaviors and activities that I've noted. 
great recruiters always tend to cover off. There's a section on selling, uh, as you'd imagine, but I call it selling is listening because I think in recruitment, a lot of us are good talkers. I'm probably one of them, but actually this, the, the real secret to building up a relationship where you can sell in the best sense of that word is to ask great questions. And then there's all the candidate skills and all the client skills. And finally, there's a section on how to grow your recruitment career. I took the material, I suppose, from my own experience as a recruiter. I was a good recruiter. Neil, you probably may have hired me, but I wasn't anywhere near the best. But I've worked with some fantastic recruiters. And as I've done so much training over the years, so much coaching and worked in so much recruitment, that I've, I guess what I've decided to do is to distill down the essence, as I see it, obviously. It's, it's my view. That's why it's the savage way, which is not to say that way is better than anyone else's. It's what's worked for me and worked for the people that I'm referring to. But even if it provokes discussion and debate about what is the best way to tackle a counteroffer, for example, that would be healthy. So that, that's what this one's about. I think it's relevant to anybody in recruitment. A newbie will gain a lot from it, but an experienced person will read it and I think they'll go, there's a couple of fresh ideas there that I hadn't thought of, but they might also go, I knew that but I'm no longer doing it, so let me go back to it. And for owners and managers, it's a training tool. That's what, we, that's what we're doing this time around. Yeah, and look, that's really relevant to, to the REC and the discussion we had when we were first thinking of this, because from my point of view, I mentioned recently being a lease in Newcastle, the most common thing chief execs, MDs of recruitment firms are saying to me now is, Neil, how can the REC lead on making recruitment a career of choice? And then how can it help us grow really great agency recruiters? Because that's the, that's been the challenge over the last, the last couple of years. So that focus of the new book feels mm. dead on in the UK market. Before we get into the detail though, come on, you're becoming the, uh, the, the JK Rowling of, of the recruitment industry. So this is the second one. Is it easy? Is the second one easier than the first one? I think it was, but the reason for that is the first book you literally started, I started with a blank sort of word document and an idea to write a book about 40 years of recruitment experience and the stories. And that was hard just even to get it, my thoughts together and put the order, notwithstanding or not even including all the normal doubts like imposter syndrome and who would want to read this and finding the time, all those things. This one had the same challenges around time, and but to a lesser degree on structure because I've run hundreds of training courses on these topics. I've had thousands of coaching sessions with people on these topics in running my businesses, and I've spoken on endless podcasts about these topics. So I had a lot of notes, a lot of material, a lot of it was top of mind. So it took a lot of work, but I think it was slightly more straightforward than the first one. The first one, I wasn't really sure what I was trying to achieve. And the second one, I knew what I wanted was a handbook, a, a dossier, a, a something to I hope that this book is scribbled on and notes taken and highlighting and pages bent back and people use. I hope that people might even say, hey, if you're handling a counter, if you're going to deal with this counter offer or you're putting an offer to a candidate, just read this chapter first and let's remind ourselves of that. I hope it's used that way because it is very tactical. It's not theoretical. It's based entirely on things that have worked. As I say, there are the recruitment's not an exact science. Neil, it's not like one on one always equals two in recruitment. There's all those people, personalities, and, and the nuances to every situation. But it's absolutely true 
that there are certain approaches that work better than others. And that's what I've tried to do. So I think it was easier. It wasn't easy. I find these things tricky to do. And I think distilling the kind of the tactical stuff, I think, is always a kind of it's a moment to think through how will people want to behave and what advice will they want in the moment rather than when you are sitting in front of your your laptop bashing out where you can afford to be a bit more a bit a bit more strategic so that 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 thing about structuring the book to be really useful on the floor mm. of a of a business when we're thinking about what are we going to do to improve our sales pipeline for instance it is really powerful now we've got the we've got the book obviously and anyone who's coming to the master classes in september will get a copy of the book mm-hmm. but at the master classes we'll get you up on stage again six cities around the uk all sorts of fantastic opportunities for REC members to get involved. What sort of exciting upset updates or insights can people expect if they're coming along to the masterclass? The masterclass is going to be, if you like, best of or highlights of the book. The book is 128 chapters, Neil. They're short, they're punchy, some as little as a page, but some maybe five or six pages. That They each tackle a skill or an attitude or a competency, and they can stand alone. They are part of a of a greater pathway, but they can stand alone. I actually am hoping, as I said, that, that managers will say to people, let's read this chapter and discuss it tomorrow morning, that kind of thing. In terms of the masterclass, I'm planning to make it a blend of, frankly, some age-old, as old as the recruitment hills, skills and tactics, which sadly have either been lost or not ever taught. And you touched on something that I hope this book's going to help with, and it might sound a bit of a grand goal, but the longevity of people in our industry is one of our biggest problems. And a lot of talented people, for a wide variety of reasons, are like shooting stars. They do well, and then they flicker off and disappear. And I think that's because they're not growing. They're burning out, and which what burnout really means is more failure than success. This is a tremendously challenging job. There's a lot of down days. You've got to have more up days than down days to last. And human skills that are going to make the difference. And that leads us on to a topic I'm sure we'll talk about later, and I'll just touch on it now. One of the things I'll try to identify for people, and I've done throughout this book, is that technology will take a lot of the work that you're doing now. So being good at those things is going to become redundant. You don't have to become redundant because you need to be good at the things that the AI and the technology cannot do. And they are the influencing skills. You know, it's actually a little bit of a a play on words, but it's the soft skills that are actually hard in our business. Mm. And they haven't been taught because we've been able for quite some time to be quite successful by high process in our industry. The problem with that is that the machines will do the process. So what has the individual got to offer? It's going to be the relationship building, the managing of situations, the creating of outcomes, the sophisticated influencing skills, which, frankly, was what recruitment was before technology came along. I'm not saying it's better or worse, but it was different in those days. I think that's spot on. And it's something we connected on in the past, isn't it? Which is this thing that ironically, what what appears to be happening with technology is the industry's skill set is being forced back to where it was maybe in the 80s and 90s where and I remember 
going to an SIA event in the States earlier in the year and someone said, I'll give them due credit if I can remember who said it. Someone said the art of recruitment is selling imperfect candidates to imperfect jobs and imperfect jobs to imperfect candidates. And that is not something that AI is going to be able to do. So that there's something here about the specific skills that recruiters should be focusing on developing and they're really relational skills in a way that perhaps we haven't focused on for the last for as much for the last decade or two i think that's right i think to not to put a gloomy hat on but i think a lot of recruiters are going to be caught out by ai not because ai will take the recruiter's job away but it will take away the parts of the job that other that recruiters are currently doing and some parts of the uk recruitment industry and it's true worldwide are, are very transactional and that's going to suit automation perfectly so We've got to look the sorts of skills that you might be alluding to that I talked to about are things such as empathy. And empathy doesn't mean sympathy. Empathy means putting yourself in someone else's shoes. What great recruiters are going to need is empathy, but empathy with action. In other words, you and I and many in our industry have spoken for decades about candidate experience. It's almost become a cliche to discuss it, but that is going to be a huge differentiator because the technology will find candidates. It'll even interact with candidates. But candidates will trust the human beings. So that, that would be one that, are, uh, that would be important. Grit and resilience, obviously, will be important. The big one, interpersonal influencing skills, which is bought, built on trust and credibility. Listening skills, both in the client situation and the candidate situation. And listening skills stems from intelligent questioning. And as we talked about, there's plenty of recruiters have done well in the last three years who haven't actually done a client meeting in their lives. They haven't actually done one. So how are they going to suddenly find themselves in a situation where interacting with people is the, is the real value? Advice, people talk a lot about AI taking various jobs, but up-to-date advice and insights that's of value to both clients and candidates. You went to chat GPT now and said, what are owners of recruitment companies in Australia thinking about in terms of consultant hiring over the next three months, ChatGPT could not tell you that. And in fact, it can't even tell you who won the Football World Cup last year because it only goes up to, I think, September 21. So it can't tell you that, and it will never be able to tell you that because it can only gain its information from what's on the Internet. And a great recruiter will know far more about his or her market, what candidates are thinking, what clients are offering, are salaries going up, are, are people working from home more or less. Those sorts of insights are incredibly valuable and recruiters need to have those and also have the credibility to present them to clients. So these are some of the skills or, if you like, competencies that I think are going to rise in importance, Neil, and uh, differentiate between or help differentiate average recruiters from good ones, even recruiters who are going to survive from those who won't. There's something here about how people invest in themselves to understand the pathway to survive. And I, I talk a lot about existential risks and and transitional risks when we think about about this. And you go look right back through history. Big tech shifts create worry about existential risk. Employment in sectors persists. It always do, it does. It just reshapes. So it's about the people. You know, the risk actually is less on the company and more on the individual in terms of, how you transition your skills. So if we're thinking about the people who are in the audience for the masterclass, 
what can they anticipate from the masterclass in September? There's a few things that they will, that you could approach, that you could consider would be a strong outcome for somebody attending the masterclass. The first is we will actually go through some of the techniques and tactics, and I think they'll learn from those. But, but what I'm actually hoping to achieve in those masterclasses is an understanding that recruitment is a lifelong learning. And in our industry, I've seen, and I've been guilty, of that once a consultant gets to a certain level of competency, it might be after two years and they bill in quite well, we tend to leave them alone and focus on somebody else, a, a, an underperformer perhaps. And we need to do that too, but we actually really need that. The technology has now brought this into focus. We now really need to help people understand that it's constant learning. It's constant evolution. It's constant slaughtering of sacred cows and saying, no, this is now a better way. And that's going to lead to, now industry we focus a lot on, on, on financial outcomes, and that's fair enough, but it's also going to lead to more fun and more self-esteem. I think what people fail to realize is that when somebody says they burnt out, and I'll touch on this before, what they really mean is I can't stand this relentless failure. I'm filling one job out of four. That means I'm failing 75% of the time. And I'm hoping these masterclasses will inspire people to go on a journey of constant reinvention. That's always been true, but wow. I feel it's going to be more true in the next five years than ever before. Uh, and that would be a great outcome because there's a lot of us in recruitment who plateau very quickly. And we actually, it's part of the ethos of the industry that we celebrate high performers. We put their names up on the board in lights and we reward them. And that's all good. But it can sometimes lead to a, I don't know, hubris might be too strong a word, but it can lead to a complacency might be a better word. And I think that the big danger to career longevity. So I'm hoping to tackle that in the masterclasses as well fantastic and i think the kind of the practicality of getting in a room with people and after the pandemic we know this that actually getting in a room with people and sparking them up and getting a sense of people investing in their own professional development and thinking through what they're what they're going to do next what their actions are when they come out of the room is much more effective in terms of professional development and there's a bit of a strand here isn't there through everything you've said which is as recruiters as consultants we need to be thinking about our our professional pathway our personal brand our modus operandi to survive this this world and investments like the masterclass are absolutely Mm. critical to that i think it's important for people to Think about their careers as something that they manage. I think sometimes people go, oh, my career is in the hands of the company. Uh, and it's true that you need to work for a good company that offers you opportunities and training and development. But you manage your own career. No one else is having sleepless nights about your career. No one, maybe your mum, but no one else is having sleepless nights about your career. You should be, and sleepless nights is a metaphor more than a real thing, you should be thinking about where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? Where is this industry going? Am I equipped? Do I have the tools? And if not, I need to upskill. And it's really a career of taking what I call nano degrees. And nano degrees are like three months self-initiated focus points. I've done, I'm doing a nano degree on chat GPT now. What that means is I'm reading as much about it. I'm reading about AI as much as I can. I'm getting onto webinars. I'm talking to people who know more than me. Because I need to, I don't want to become an expert in AI, but I want to become very knowledgeable in how it's going to impact my field, which is recruitment. And I think a lot of people are just letting these sorts of things wash over them. 
and you shouldn't do that. You should take control of your career and try and manage it. And uh, that's traditional training and development, but it's also predicting the curve of the of our industry is going to, what curve it's going, direction it's going to take, perhaps a better word, and how you can prepare yourself for it. It's not a thing to panic about. It's actually fun. It's actually trying to keep ahead instead of being a victim of whatever the market dictates. And I think there's, I'm going to ask you this question in a second, Greg. If there's one thing I'd say to people starting out in the industry, it's that. As chief executive talks to other chief execs and MDs all the time, getting the right attitude to personal development, as in personal development is not something the company is going to do for you. It's something the company, a good company should support, but you have to set the direction. That feels like a drumbeat that runs through our industry. If you could give what young Greg a piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, there'd be, there'd be so many. That was a very foolish young man. But I think a good piece of advice, and they, it's two, I suppose you asked for one, there's two. One is guard your reputation. And when I say your reputation is made up of all the small things you do and don't do, the return of a phone call, the snapping at a colleague, the slightly duplicitous reply to a client about the availability of a candidate or what the reference said, those sorts of things can give you a short-term gain. But over time, I think they count for a lot or bad. And linked with that, I think, is authenticity really counts. And interestingly enough, I've always felt that. I think, like I've told the story before, but people say to me, I like your blog. And I go, oh, that, that's great. And, I, and then they say, I don't agree with you, but I know it's your real opinion. And I think that's valuable. And what they're really saying is, it's not spin. You're probably wrong, Greg, but at least I know it's your real point of view based on real experience. And that, to me, is valuable. They don't actually say all that. That's what I take from it. But I think in this world of fake news and all the stuff that we hardly believe anything we read and there are people making a living out of out of deceit on the Internet and all the rest of it, and now we're going to have every recruitment company that ever puts out a blog, it's going to be generated by AI, which means by definition it's not original. So I think authenticity, originality, and your reputation for being somebody who delivers that, and it can start right from the beginning. They are, they're very critical to your career. And, and linked with that, maybe slightly different, is I think I could have learned to be more self-aware a lot earlier than I did. I think we're probably never as good as we think we are, and we're never as bad as we think we are. So what I mean by that is when you're on a good trot, as happens in recruitment, and you guys – and women strutting around the office because they've had three good months and they actually get a bit cocky and almost prima donna-ish and, and, and they're very hard to coach because they know it all. That is bad. It's lack of self-awareness. And then you also see people, and it's happened to me, when things go wrong, you begin to doubt yourself and you believe you're hopeless. And that's also not true. So I think those things, being authentic, playing, really understanding how your reputation for not necessarily being the best or anything, obviously be as good as you can, but for being authentic and real and that people can trust you and that you're not a veneer of gloss, which we see so much this, these days, both in organizations and individuals, and then also being more self-aware. So uh, it was a bit of a hodgepodge of an answer, but I hope there was some sense in there for you. Absolutely, Greg. And this goes right to the heart of where we are with the master classes. For me, professional, the professional pathway, professional development is critical not only to the individuals that will be attending the master classes, reading the book, 
building their careers and i absolutely agree with you about that play the long-term game before we recorded this morning i briefly lamented the inability of england to get pat cummings out in the at the end of the first test but test matches are five days long and your career is multiple decades long so that kind of thinking long term and letting that long term focus on quality and reputation drive your behaviors and as a business owner if you do have that person who's had three good months strutting around the office and maybe coming off a bit because they're not putting the effort in think about what the effect on that is on the rest of the team recruitment firms are 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 uh, little societies and the behaviors that are set become normalized there's a whole stream of stuff there that's about us as a professional service, which I know you believe in, certainly I believe in, behaving like we are a professional service, investing for the long term. So I, what I'd say to REC member companies thinking about the masterclass is this is something to send your people on. And we've priced it so you can send multiple people for REC and ERF members. It's 75 quid ahead, which for the quality that Greg gives in a masterclass and a copy of the book is an absolute steal. But we're doing it this way because we really believe that this is important. And it's the run up to the relaunch of the REC's professional pathway, which is coming later in the year if you want to come and join us please do if you want to send your team greg's in belfast on the 19th of september as i said erf members can join us on a similar basis to rec members if you want to come up from from dublin or elsewhere for that glasgow on the 20th manchester on the 21st and then a big trilogy birmingham on the 26th bristol on the 27th and london on the 28th we're working you hard greg yeah, I'll be working hard, but behind the scenes, the REC people will be working doubly hard, as they always do. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I'm on the way out in the sense that more of my career is behind me than in front of me. That might even be true of you, Neil, even though you're a far younger man. But I, I actually think it's an incredibly exciting time for the industry. It's going to be challenging, and we're all piecing together how technology is going to affect it, and we'll change our view as we learn more. And the technology is going to evolve, as it always does. But my view, and it's woven into the book, and it's woven into the masterclass, or will be, is that humans need humans now more than they ever have. That's the rich and sweet irony of the technology. If you try and phone Qantas or an insurance company in this country, you cannot get anything done because their technology doesn't work properly and no one will speak to you. And if you do get hold of somebody helpful, it's the happiest day. And I think that's where recruitment's going to be. And so shortcuts, superficial, spamming-type recruitment, which I know people could make a living of out of for some period of time, will not survive. And that's one of the good things about the tech, because the tech will do the part of the job that recruiters do, the part that can be automated. They'll do it far, it'll do it far better. I like to say that when a piece of technology can handle a counteroffer, in a way that creates great outcomes for all parties, that means client, candidate, and recruiter. When a piece of technology can do that with all the nuance and subtlety and moving parts, then our industry is in trouble. But that is nowhere near in sight. And that's what I'm talking about. And so I'd be excited. I'd actually be quite excited to be a 23 or 24 year old recruiter again if I had the smarts to, to head in the right direction, which is a moot point. Absolutely. 
spot on. I think the future for this industry is bright if we get it right. And the challenge for us is we have new forms of competitors coming into the market. The labour market over here in the UK is super tight. So suddenly some of those big consultancies are seeing some advantages in getting into into workforce strategy, into workforce supply coming up against our members at the REC. We've got those platform businesses coming in, seeing big growth out of those firms in other markets who've managed to integrate platform into a traditional agency model. There's so much change happening. But if you are a young recruiter with your wits about you and a bit of understanding where this market's going, I think there is so much potential because of the nature of certainly in in most of the established recruitment markets around the world, Australia's in this position, UK's in this position, mm. Europe's even more in this position, America maybe not so much, but but the story is one of labour market tightness, of talent scarcity, and yeah. that that makes this change all the more robust in the years to come. Greg, look, I'm really looking forward to getting on the road with you come September. Me too, not only for the recruitment but for our rich rugby banter and uh, now that i find that you're an english cricket fan which i find somewhat amusing uh, and i look forward to that discussion i hope i do I'm, a, I, I'm an england cricket fan only in so far as they aren't playing scotland and i'm a believer that that we should that scotland should never agree to a fixture against england again just so we can always have won the last time we played yeah my i am enjoying the ashes but i have to say i am also watching the ic world cup qualifiers in in zimbabwe where scotland are going really well at the moment so i'm hopeful that we might make a return to the world cup n- next time round. i also note by the way that you've left a good week between scotland versus South Africa in the World Cup and and the first of the first of these dates, which is probably the requisite amount of time for me to get over my my aggravation getting knocked out in the groups again. I don't know. I think that and I'm sure this is only interesting to a very small group of people on the school, but I actually think that anything could happen in that group and that includes Scotland going through. So don't be too despondent. Could easily I be sh- true. Absolutely. I shall look forward to seeing you in September either way, Greg. Thank you for joining us on yeah. the podcast today. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you to the REC for always being so supportive and uh, not only of me, but always of bringing great learning and development to our industry. It's very important. So thank you. Thanks, Greg. And there are loads of reasons in there for coming to join us on one of the six states around the UK in September. rec.uk.com forward slash Greg Savage to come and join us and take your pick from the six states. They're up there. They're bookable. And now, if you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and I hope you have, I, there are lots of other great episodes for you to dip into. If you've got a little more time when you're listening, perhaps have a look at our last episode 12 for 2023 with Hannah slaughter of the resolution foundation where she's talking about the future of enforcement in the industry really interesting as we start to think about the possibility of a change of government next uh, next year here in the uk or if you're interested in a deeper dive into the impact of technology on our clients businesses and what that means for us episode seven with sarah o'connor of the ft is really interesting on the on the topic of how our labor market is being remade by technology Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Hope you, you and your team can come and join Greg and me around the country in September. As I said earlier, rec.uk.com forward slash Greg Savage to book on. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon on another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening today. I hope you took away some valuable thoughts from this discussion. If you'd like to hear more, 
head to rec.uk.com forward slash talking recruitment or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Simply search Talking Recruitment to find us.